Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Drew, buddy. It's such a pleasure to have you. Yes. Thank, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a real treat. It is so good to see you. It's been far too long. We talk about you all the time and we miss you we so do. much. <laughs> I appreciate the accolades. It's, uh, it's, uh, I really miss you guys, I got to say. Nothing's been like yeah. it since. It's true. It's really no true. No kidding, eh? Yeah. That, that unfortunately, well, unfortunately and fortunately, that comes up in the show quite a bit. In in the podcast, quite a bit, we talk about how we none of us really seem to have matched the experience that we had whilst we were on the show, which is a shame, but I guess a good thing at the same time. Makes it unique. Well, without further ado, welcome back to Return to the Shadows. We have on our show today a very very special guest, someone who is near and dear to both of us, and probably has seen far too much of our faces. Welcome, <laughs> our a camera operator, Drew Potter. Thank you very much. Uh, never too much, uh, got to say. You guys know how to make it all work. It's a lot of fun working with you. It was. That's very oh, sweet. Thank um, you. Before we dive into the sort of deeper stuff, um, why don't you tell us a little about who you are and what your job was on the show? Uh, I'm Drew Potter. I'm, uh, I was the A-camera operator on that series uh, from season two and season three uh, and the season finale as well. Um, it's uh, been 25 years as a camera operator but also dabbling in other things. Once I get a little bored, I take to move on and change it up for a little while. And then I usually come back to operating because that's my first passion. Hmm. Amazing. So how did you become a camera operator? What got you into this line of work? How did you get started? What, what was the original inspiration? 
I just I saw Star Wars when I was when I was uh, sixteen, and it just blew me out of the water. And it was kind of visual effects I was attracted to. But ultimately, I live in Canada, and there are no big visual effects houses here. It was all about it was all in the U.S. and there was just that wasn't really in the cards to move to the U.S. and start that. Um, but I was still fascinated with the camera, and uh, my dad had given me a, um, his camera, still it's camera. I used to shoot a lot of little stills when I was just a kid. And then I got a Super 8 camera when I was a little older, around the 16-year age there, and played with that and editing and reduced, putting music to it and just having some fun with some friends, making little stories, little vignettes. And then I just, uh, I was in school and I was taking sort of a lot of math and science and I was going to be, you know, a, a chiropractor or a, uh, or a pharmacist or something like that. Yeah, something sensible and practical and, you know, reliable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The parent pleases. <laughs> yes, yeah. parent pleasers. That's right. And then the the eleventh hour, it was uh, you know I'm kind of interested in this film thing. Is there any film schools around? I remember talking to the guidance counselor about it. But well, we got like two weeks left to get applications in. Yeah, there's still time. Mm-hmm. And he Hell threw yeah. me a couple of schools that did it. Yeah, and I just uh, dropped it at the last second. And I told my parents what I was doing. They're like, uh, well, we support you whatever you do. Oh, that's so nice. What a great thing for your parents to do. That's I I feel like unfortunately, I think actually now, like in the last sort of five years, it's become much more common for that to be the parents' reaction Mm -hmm. um, because it's so visual that you can see people succeeding in it. But I think, I mean, my parents were very supportive as well, but my school teachers definitely weren't of my career (laughs) choice. This is very a lot more trepidous of the the concept of me going out on a whim and and trying this so it's it's really nice to hear that your parents supported you through that mm-hmm. you know it's uh if it wasn't for their support i wouldn't have been i wouldn't have made it that's for sure because you need that kind of help funding accommodation help paying for tuition mm-hmm, uh, things like that so uh and then i just kind of kept my focus at uh getting into camera and being a camera operator perhaps possibly a director of photography one day was sort of the, the real goal mm-hmm. uh and um once i finished college uh, i started working at an animation post-production house um, where we did a lot of graphics and maps and charts and credits for movies. So I kind of got the mm-hmm. back end of it first and then dealt with the lab and there was a problem. And, and it was just a small house. It was just uh, two or three of us there, the boss mm-hmm. and me and the guy. And um, that was a couple of years, sort of my PA years. That's sort of what it was. I would get into it and getting more involved with understanding how to get into a union or become a trainee. Mm-hmm. There's trainees programs for the camera departments and whatnot. So I sort of joined as a trainee and then slowly just started migrating my way through the system. Um, trainee for two years, second assistant for four, a focus puller for five, and then became a camera operator. It was just sort of, and the opportunities were just sort of uh, unfolded themselves at the right time. Yeah. And it was just, uh, yeah. just, I just took the, op- I just took the chance. It was meant to be. As you can, as you have to. Yeah. I, it's interesting. I was, I was just at a, a breakfast this morning with, um, a producer friend of mine who did uh, Vampire Academy with us all those years ago, Deepak, and he was he he was talking about he's he's such a a, a go getter entrepreneur, um, has his fingers in so many pies at any time. And I said, man, how do you keep yourself focused with all of this? And he says, you got to take every opportunity that's in front of you. You know, you get one of these, you get one life. If you're lucky, you live to eighty. The first ten years, you can't really do anything. The last ten years, you probably yeah. won't be able to do anything. So you've got sixty years, sixty years to get something that you enjoy and the three of us can all say that we've been very lucky and we do something that we enjoy every day but you got to take those opportunities you've got to take as many and as often as you can before i mean unless they break you but they, mm. i don't think any of us have been maybe we've been close a couple of times those long long evenings long fridays that turn into saturday mornings but yeah. um we're still we're still powering through absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely 
Well, that's that's the fun of it. Uh, and then I, I guess basically I did was camera operating for a while, and then I had an opportunity on a TV series I worked on to uh, to uh, do directing. Uh, so I got oh, into yeah. directing world for I guess about seven years. I did about thirty two, mm -hmm. no, about forty hours of television. Oh my gosh! Uh, and, and then realized it was not my forte. It was just too stressful, a lot of anxiety <laughs> associated with it, mm -hmm. a lot of politics. And yeah. I was just, I, and I actually left the business after 25 years of being involved and, and did wow. something completely different for like five or six years. And then Shadow Hunters was my main return back to full-time work. Wow. So interesting. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't know that about directing. Yeah, it's a con in, I keep it quiet. like straight from your mouth, but, but also sort of subconsciously, um, I think kind of new because it's very you you were always very good at uh, translating for some of the directors who couldn't necessarily articulate exactly what they were saying. You know, it's a private yeah. moments with you and I where it's like this is what they're asking for, and I'm like, oh, I got it. Oh, <laughs> Thank that you. Makes sense. I got you with Andrew. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have known. But yeah, but that's something I always appreciated so much about you and about Glenn as well as and all of the camera teams on Shadowhunters is that we had such a rapport between actors and camera department and mm -hmm. I, I fully credit you guys for teaching me how to make television on the technical side because I didn't know what I was doing when we first started this show and at least you know how to make a tv show technically and how to help and be a participant in the camera situation of it all mm -hmm. um, and you all were so kind to take the time to explain things to us and to translate and to to allow us to work together instead of that sort of wall that sometimes exists between mm -hmm. the cast mm -hmm. and the camera. Well, I've always been under the impression that if uh, if the performers understand what we're doing and 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 then they can resonate to that. They can they can you know, okay, I'm over here. This is what it should be. It shouldn't be. Over. I'm not in the shadow over here. I'm in the light. This mm -hmm. is how I see that now. All these little things and, and the mark on the floor is sometimes important and sometimes not so important and. And uh, you just have to let them know that so they can have a little less <laughs> a very pointed focus note. on that. I, we literally said so that like two done. days ago. Yeah, like two <laughs> days ago, we were talking about how, like, I the most recent TV show I did, our, our B camera operator Patrick used to give me a lot of shit. He would look at me. We we're in New York, and he'd look at me and go, "Hey, man, you see that mark on the floor? Yeah, it's not a fucking suggestion. That's where your feet should be." And I'd, I'd look down; it's like three feet behind me, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, dude, sorry." <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah. I just can't get it. Because you're busy doing other things, you know, it's, it's it's complicated to be on that side of the camera. There's no doubt about that. That's why I'm behind the camera. Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes and no. No doubt I mean... you were doing an amazing job in front of the camera as well. I think the interesting thing yeah. is, who was it? It was either you or Glenn who was talking about an actor from like the 40s who used to do a, they would do a look. So like we as actors and, and camera people, people within the industry, you can always tell when an actor walks in and has a little look down to know exactly where your toes need to stop because it's, you know, it's a tight moment, whatever it is, you just have a little and it's uh, a mark check. Like that, that actor just did a mark check. They had a yes. little look and that's the landing right where they need to land. Spencer Tracy who, is made, who made that thing. Spencer Tracy. Yeah, he yes. used to it. come in That's and he would one. do the pensive like look. He would, would always start a scene yeah. like, I'm thinking about something. Something's going on. Would spot his mark yeah. and then go <sighs> straight to it. Yeah, he worked <laughs> it in. He worked it in as part of his thing. Brilliant. And, hey, Absolutely you know what? Brilliant. Whatever works. If you can hit your mark and make it work, it's brilliant, I think. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's one of the things also that I appreciated so much about the show is that we all got to be such a symbiotic system after a while the directors started to would come into this situation, most of them at least, and see that and sort of trust you guys to kind of 
yeah. play jazz a little bit with some mm-hmm. of the shots and, mm-hmm. and with us and find those moments that, you know, you can set up a camera in a point and try and catch a moment. But if you see something, because you know the way we move through a space and you kind of can predict the way that we're going to go about a scene after watching us for so long, you catch things that other people wouldn't because we're, we're kind of all on the same mm-hmm. wavelength, as it were. And I, I think mm-hmm. that added so much to the show. And there were so many moments watching the show back that I remember, oh yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't how it was planned. That was just Drew being creative. And yes, it added true. so much. And that's, and directors, well, and having being a director and, and being parachuted into different sets, uh, uh, different uh, shows, you appreciate the crew's input because it just makes you as a director look better. And it mm-hmm. makes the actors feel more comfortable because they're still in their still environment. And I'm not the guy coming in to you know change everything all of a sudden. <laughs> and, uh, and then what's going on here? And then it's, try to keep the, <laughs> you know, try to keep it consistent with the other episodes. And uh, you're always looking for help from the director of photography for sure. Well, it does. It becomes this, this, as Kat's saying, you know, you, we, we fall into this space and we, we were very lucky on Shadowhunters. Maybe this, I think probably the large reason why we haven't found this again is that symbiosis, that level of mm-hmm. fluidity that we had on a, on a set where we did all sort of get on, or at least at the very least understand each other or understand, um, the motivations behind whatever it is. I think having that, <laughs> that, that ability to flow through whatever the day is, no matter how hard it is by relying on the people that we trust is so important and so fundamental and something that we found on, or it, it, I, I don't want to take words out of anyone's mouths, but I think we can all say we found something like that on Shadowhunters, which is really quite special. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And speaking to that, so how did you end up in our shadow family? What brought you to this world? Uh, well, Mike McMurray, the director of photography, uh, was aware that I was leaving my other concept of seven years which was I'm, I'm i'm ready to come back to work now because i had getting phone calls from people saying you know we miss you where you've been and i would start doing dailies on different shows uh, just see camera in the back and and it's uh, i kind of started remembering this is what i love is this coming right back to me very quickly um which is why my direction to begin with so uh eventually mike caught wind that i was you know back you know doing dailies and, and around and uh, and then he I mean, I just shut down what I had done in April. And I mean, like literally three weeks later, he gave me a phone call and says, um, I'm doing this uh, fantasy uh, show in August. Uh, do you want to do it with me? Back the old team back together again. And I said, of course, I'd be delighted to. And the next thing that was, next thing it was, you know, 40 episodes over two years of, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, of an actual show. I had no idea what you were yeah, in for. Exactly. <laughs> I was, no, had no idea. And I, I had finally got a hold of what the show was called and I could I tracked it down on, on the internet and I could watch a few episodes and start to understand what it was about and uh, but you know the idea was it was going to be not that show yes mm-hmm. but darker and more adult because um, adults were watching it not the kids that it was really meant for in the beginning yeah absolutely yeah or the youth audience I couldn't say so uh, when I, I have to say it was a it was a slam when I came in because I think working with uh, Matt Hastings was a, an American mm-hmm. uh, gentleman that came out to direct and he was a showrunner and he did the first few episodes to kind of give us the look and that was my thing was well what's the style of this show what's what's the look I know you're changing it up but and and Mike would say well we just we haven't really talked about that we but didn't don't know. You think you should yeah, be talking no, about we that know. we had no idea no it was just <laughs> this, this organic thing about about how to shoot it and yeah it was going to be long lens cinematography okay I understood that part of it but you know what else and you know well it's going to be low well, of course it's going to be low it's going to be dramatic and it's, it's fun as action so <laughs> but matt basically had his ideas and i think he sort of imbued on me the first week of what he was thinking the show should be 
And mm-hmm. it was just him sort of training us to understand where you can go and push the limits. He was looking for something more stylized than, than just traditional TV where everybody's center punched and, and, and they do their lines and you walk away. He wanted something that had uh, a flair to it in a way. Uh, do, don't, don't take all the rules of composition. This is me interpreting now going back. So don't take all the rules mm-hmm. of composition and make it work. Push it. And, yeah. I, and I just embraced that because I was just kind of, having done operating for so long, everybody wanted it so perfect in terms of television in the center, slightly off. I could start pushing the sides. I could start trimming into eyebrows for close-ups that had, you know, a certain mm-hmm. amount of energy to it because the shot's just not quite right. But yet, but the scene is heightened and it yeah. seemed to add to it visually what was, uh, what was going on. And, uh, and the cutting was so quick that you never really got to hang, hang on a shot that was maybe uncomfortable for some people to watch for a while because well, it was somewhere else, right? Now, mm-hmm. let's discuss that a little more, because you and I had one particular problem in general. There was one shot that I couldn't get through that I really struggled with at any point. And there's, it's very common in TV, especially young adult <laughs> TV. It's called a slow push in. And it happens yes. at the end. It happens at the end of like a scene where something fucking dramatic has happened or whatever. And Drew yeah. would give me a look like we're going to do the slow push in. And I'm like, OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my best. Yep. And the camera, it normally on the dolly, like cuts to this entire giant piece of kit with three men on it, all of whom you trust, all of whom you want to impress. You know, they're a part mm-hmm. of our team. Starts mm-hmm. slowly making its way towards your face, and you have to just hold whatever it was, wherever you were looking. And this, you know, two tons of equipment is sort of coming towards you slowly, yeah. slowly. And I still yeah. to this day struggle with it. I can't. I'll get over it. <laughs> Why does it's a it bit make daunting. you laugh, Dom? <laughs> it is. Yeah, I think it's because it's daunting. I think it's there's a lot of like pressure with with. I don't know. I don't know. But because you know you're not going fun. anywhere else. That's the moment. It's, it's, okay, yeah. we're here. This is yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, this is it. And yeah, got, yeah, absolutely. Because before you go, we'll cut somewhere else. It'll be wide shot. Mm-hmm. There's other places yeah. to go, but this moment is right here, right now. Yeah. <laughs> So well, it I is, just yeah, always remember they would have to do them in series for you, Dom. They'd just be like, all right, we're going to mm-hmm. do it and then go back and, oh, and do man. it. And then go back. There you go. <laughs> the more, you the more we do this podcast, or... the more we've realized that Dom's not a very professional actor. <laughs> 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 like, I think I've destroyed my career by doing this podcast. I don't really recall you missing marks all the time. You talk about it, but I, I don't really recall that. That's being really. Uh, that's because you guys yeah. are good at your job. That's what it is. Like if I was out of focus, you'd pull out or someone would would trim the focus a little to, to sort of make Mark, it work. Yeah, he would be on that. Yeah, very yeah Mark, Mark was so on top of it. He's yeah. like, okay, I'm just going to fix this. You're just, <laughs> there it is. Okay, now he's yeah. in focus. Fabulous. Yeah. If you struggle to get in shape and lose weight, I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body, and I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day, I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, and then I go crush a workout in the Body app and just follow along day by day. Before most people are even out of bed, I'm done for the day. So here's my offer to you. The next 500 people who go to body.com will get 65% off a full year of access to over 120 programs. 65% because I want you to start now and see how fast the pounds come off and the muscles start popping. And if they don't, hey, you get your money back. Just go to body.com. That's B-O-D-I dot com. And let's own the morning together and get healthy and fit. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. And then coming into Shadowhunters is a, is a new thing for me. Even the camera team were people that I, well, Mark was my trainee when he before he mm-hmm. became a focus puller years ago. So I, I knew Mark. But most of the team I did not know that Mike had been working with for the last, uh, I guess, uh, seven or eight years on oh. different shows. So uh, I, I'm like this new guy to them, and they're all new to me. And uh, it was, uh, it was, that first week was really rough. I, I do remember that day four, driving into that big boat on that August mm-hmm. hot oh. day. And oh. uh, going, Mike, if it wasn't for being surrounded by friends, because I did know everybody on some level, even the Dolly gripped him, we went way mm-hmm. back. Yeah. Uh, I probably would have quit because it yeah. was just so, it was such a wall. I, was, I wasn't up to that speed. I mean, mm-hmm. having left another show, having done anything, you know, like the year past, it was just a, a different environment completely. And now bang, slammed into this 16, you know, 14 hour days, um, commuting, uh, mm-hmm. just, it was just a real handful. It took a little while to get up to speed. And we threw you in at the deep end as well. We didn't throw yeah, you in with like a nice brutal. warm-up episode where everyone was just on the beach fucking chilling out. Like we threw no, you into an episode into where, like jump on the top of a container ship. There's going to be an alarm that happens every now and then. Nobody knows what that means. So everyone just evacuate and then we're back on the ship. So don't worry can. about it. It'll be Do you remember fine, that? And sure. it turned out to be the phone <laughs> yeah. ringing. It's so loud in yes. the engine room that they had to, that's how loud the phone has to be. Mm-hmm. It was just like, even for us, it was chaos. And we had each other to rely on. We worked with each other for a year. So kudos to you because we again we've spoken about this in in relation to actors more it's daunting coming in halfway through something where people have set themselves up is really daunting and then coming in to be such an integral piece of of our storytelling process is even more daunting so hats off to you because uh because that's really it's really something it's really an achievement you should feel very proud of well thank you Thank you. That's a, and that was part of the reason why we wanted to have Glenn around on B camera because it gave some sort of continuity yeah. in the mm-hmm. camera department from season one to season two. And he's a very talented gentleman and Mike has worked with him in the past. So it just seemed like the perfect fit to, mm-hmm. uh, to put, have Glenn, you know, continue to be there and be our, our, our continuity and ask him questions when we were sort of stumped on something and he would clarify mm-hmm. for us. It really was amazing to watch all of you work together and just the, the sort of collaboration and, sharing of information and and sort of everyone's artistic opinions and choices but still trying to keep the consistency of the show it it taught me a lot and just observing our crew work together and the the collaboration and the sort of symbiosis that we all found it it really um it taught me a great deal so thank you for that that's great well you're most welcome it was a pleasure (laughs) truly 
Yeah, I, I, you sort of took the words out of my mouth a little, Cal, which is great. The, the, the way you guys gelled with each other, especially A and B camera, mm-hmm. um, was really special. I've been on shows where that hasn't been the case, and that's been a little... like Because I feel like on set, what people don't know sometimes is there is a lot of eggshell treading. No matter which department you're in, there's a lot of there's always someone above you, and there's always someone where very often on sets you're like, we need to be a little cautious around this person or this person. You don't want to upset this person. You don't want to mess up this or do whatever. And I think that dissipated fairly quickly on our show, which mm-hmm. is nice. I, again, I'm just speaking for myself, mm-hmm. Drew. I, I don't know about yourself, but it, it felt very. It felt like every day we brushed away some more of those eggshells to the point where we got to this like. We were we were a team. This is a full team. Like nobody is more important than anybody else. Nobody was looking up or down at anybody, and we had this this sort of unit together. Yeah, I felt by the third episode we were we were in the hospital. The third episode, I think we were. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We were uh, kind of gelling at that point. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I know Mike had reservations about my performance because I was a little rusty. And uh, I remember I was talking about it like around episode seven, where he was reflecting back, and he was. Uh, really ill one day but you know hanging in there by the mm-hmm. monitors and uh i just kind of took over and uh because he wasn't there to do anything and then I mean, yeah. so it's just a gaffer myself and uh and he says i remember thinking oh thank god drew is back <laughs> 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 because i wasn't really kicking over in the beginning i was just trying to feel it all out and just kind of get a yeah. sense of what the show was about and not doing the thing that i that he liked you know yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. you're obviously so talented and the people at home obviously recognize that as well because whether you see it or you don't see it in fact almost if you don't see it it's better if you're seeing something and you go oh that was cool or it sends shivers up your spine nine times out of ten that was camera work that made that happen mm-hmm. because it was it's a, a an angle or a, a fragrance that you've seen on the screen um yeah. which is which is you know so fundamental to what we do um but it's so nice. God, can you I, like imagine? We, I, I haven't been in my career long enough, but this is this is the dream, right? Is to have people who you work around who who are, are so in love with what you do that they want to keep bringing you back. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it's really true. wonderful. Uh, the thing too is, is it's I know we all are you know camera thunder, camera thunder is about the picture because it's a movie. But you know, mm-hmm. there's so much more that goes into what is at the end. You know, I, I was reviewing some of. The, I haven't really watched Shadowhunters since you know, we worked on it. Just seeing the, the show cut and oh, why did they use that shot? And you know, criticize it like that. <laughs> we so think the same true. thing yeah. about our own performances, Drew. It's fine. We're like, oh, yeah. that shot. Why did Catherine? Why did you make that face? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> and somehow, for some reason, the editor seemed to think it worked. That's why it's in there. He picks what's yeah. the gold stuff. The gold nuggets, and uh, I, I guess I, I was sort of watching the show more as a fan now than as a technician because so much time had elapsed, and mm-hmm. and and the visual effects were just astounding. And yeah. uh, were they? I, I, yes, they were, and that was a big part of the show as well. Mm-hmm. Very heavily heavy visual effects. Uh, I sort of jumped in, you know, like when season three uh, premiere, season mid season leaving, and, and then mm-hmm. the season finale, the kind of thing to start up the last movie last episode and that whole ring of fire and the demons and that, that yeah i mean we're just standing there you know, that's mm-hmm. what we're doing and i mean the yeah. fire and the flame yeah. and everything's going and the camera's going around and i just remember doing that shot where everybody's a different height and somehow i gotta mm-hmm. land on everybody before <laughs> i get I can't be, oh they're down here okay okay we're up down here and then we're back up for here and then back and this had to really yeah. keep that in my head yeah, why uh, didn't we fix that? Work. That was such an easy. That's not even like a technical. We put everyone on Apple boxes, raise everyone mm. up to Matt's height, and that's well, a you know really why? easy fix. 
It's because they didn't notice because Drew is so talented. He just fixed it so. before anyone yeah, noticed I guess. there's a problem. into the shot and nobody knew, noticed it at all. <laughs> and, you know, you wow. want to keep the actors heist because that's part of who they are, too. We know Emerald's yeah. a little shorter than, 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 yeah. than uh, Matt. And if we put her up to his height, well, then it's just everybody. Yeah, you know, it's just not funny. It's yeah. just a free-for-all. Yeah, it would just yeah. not be, it would not feel right. There'd be something off. We're not yeah. sure what it is. But yeah. There's something weird about that mm -hmm. shot. And you don't yeah. want to take the viewer out of it, you know, that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, you know, it's that dance again that we all mm -hmm. learn to do as we're working together for so long. And speaking of, that's something Dom and I talk a lot, obviously, about the fight scenes on the show mm. and what it took to film those and from our perspective. But you, you were so amazing during every fight scene. You've done something I've never seen another camera operator do. You had an Apple box on wheels that you yeah. would put the handheld camera on your that's shoulder right. and just be able to run around on a lower level and be so mobile and so agile to be able to get around us and catch these little moments. I've never seen anything like it. So talk to us a little bit about that. And do you like shooting fight scenes? Is it fun for you? Is it stressful? What's, what's your experience with that and sort of your point of view? At times, it's all those things because I do watch the rehearsal very closely to kind of get a sense of, you know, the timing of how many, you know, how many hits and punches. Well, we had swords and stuff. So extra room required at times to, to yeah. swing this thing. And I know the stunt people and the actors are aware of us, but sometimes you can lose that moment. Mm -hmm. But I still want to be safe. But it's 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 a bit frightening. But I kind of it depends on the director. You kind of know what the style is going to be. You're going to have your wide shot, and it was always camera be moving, but. The low Apple box thing, a lot of times I would just go in there and sit with no movement for a couple of shots. And then it was Tim, the uh, my dolly grip, who came up with this idea of just putting it on some casters and uh, you know, the, the old butt dolly. And uh, <laughs> and off I went, you know, on a little pad. And it was just, uh, he didn't have to push me around. He would pull me, I guess, or he would help assist. But I could just mm -hmm. be really mobile on my own to a certain degree. And uh, it just kept that fluidity and a lot of times the shot was bad getting in it it didn't matter to me because you're gonna go somewhere else and uh and almost be right. that moment if it works yeah so mm -hmm. i did and it kept me out of the way of the swords because they were up high and i was kind of down low so i kind of preferred oh, yeah. being low it's true yeah and they were like <laughs> very tall it's men such a brave show. job they because again i don't think people realize i mean you have your your second peripheral vision but very often that's closed right so you can see through the viewfinder unless you've got the screen but then if you have the screen you're looking down at the screen and not up necessarily at the action you're exactly. trying to find you know these pieces and there are these big heavy swords and we've spoken about it you know the warm days the tip is bendy so you can't stab anyone but the edges of it are hot if you get hit by them they suck mm -hmm. they really suck and then yeah. the cold days that tip yeah. froze and it was it was sharp it ended up being very it was sharp a sword. yeah it was a sword <laughs> it was just a dulled dulled blade yes at yeah. that point and an improvement from first season from the swords i have to say <gasps> I really oh no did kidding to, yeah, yeah a huge improvement we just spoke to um to john locations manager oh yeah and his he has my sword my one that yeah. i used on the show like still with the dinks it's on in his it wall it's, it was like on his wall <laughs> behind me i was like no way that's awesome yeah that's amazing great, you had a little great keepsake that's nice yeah yeah so are there any, what was there, this is sort of a two-part question. What was your favorite seed of Shadowhunters to shoot? And what was the most difficult? Mm. If you can think of one. Oh, you know, I just, that, I, I, I was struggling with that question. When I saw it. Um, <laughs> favorite scenes. I, I just, I, I don't have a specific scene that's favorite. I just, I preferred shooting in the Institute because there was a lot of room. Yeah. in there and we could do a lot of different things in there and still have the same kind of you know background and still environment mm -hmm. but still make feel it was different mm -hmm. i liked mm -hmm. magnus's apartment as well because of the rooms and the rooms and the rooms and there was depth there and you had a lot of fun with that too um so i can't really say per se there's a 
a scene that's memorable because they just they were all fun in their own way and they were all unique in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess the biggest logistical thing that we had to do, and I don't think it made the movie. I don't think the scene got in there. And I was trying to look for that yesterday, but it was we were in the uh, Institute uh, Arboretum, which is actually a location. Mm-hmm. It was uh, oh, Allen yeah. Gardens. Uh-huh. Yeah, with a big dome, uh, yeah. a greenhouse, and all the plants were inside. Usually, it's you know dead of winter outside. Inside, it's you know the uh, Caribbean, and um, very humid and warm in there. And the director wanted to have a, um, a high angle shot. And when you look up in this dome, you see, oh yeah, there is a platform up there, but you know it looks you know, it's, it's plywood on you know suspended from the ceiling, and to get up there is. Wow, I got to scale the wall with a with a ladder attached to it, and uh, and you have to have your working at heights permit to work anything over mm-hmm. ten feet, and that was uh, 30, 35 feet in the air. So, well, Mark, my assistant, and I would just, we had our tickets, so certainly we could get up there and get the shot for him, and and that took us about twenty minutes or so just to get climb up there mm-hmm. with safety harnesses and, and doing your rigging and attaching as we went along, and then the guys go up there for maintenance all the time. It's no big deal. There, there's a a heating unit or air conditioning unit up there they had to get access to so when we finally made our way up there and uh and i was like well i'm exhausted now just climbing the, the whole thing right. <laughs> now we got to drop a rope down that we brought up with us so they could hook up the gear equipment and we can you know lift it up to us and uh and then get the shot uh, you know, tripod because i'm looking down don't want to hand hold mm-hmm. it you know, fear if i drop it and uh get it all up there and get it set and you know clear out the sketches of the frame and uh, and then the scene went on, but I don't recall ever seeing that done. I just no. remember seeing the image in the viewfinder. No, yeah, oh, I just never. Just, and that oh, kind of work man. never really seems. You know, no one ever knows because they never see it. Right. I mean, that was right. a lot of effort to get there for a scene that just didn't make the cut because it didn't advance yeah. the story. I didn't have time for it. Goodness gracious! Ultimately, I mean, there's so sure. many moments like that though that you you really are in the trenches with us, morning, noon, and night. In the we just. Watched, rewatched the episode with all of the fluff flying through the air during oh, the demon attack. Oh, that was horrible. Yeah. yeah. Was <laughs> I just always think about every time I show up to set and our entire camera crew is in, you know, hazmat suits and masks because they have to be <laughs> in the thick of it with us. And we're all going, huh? <laughs> but you were like, there. Are we and good? You, yeah. Are we sure this is going to be okay? But again, it was it was so amazing to be able to have someone like you in the trenches with us because we can always count on you to get the shot, and we know you'll make it worth our while, even if we're in the worst of conditions. Yeah, it was tough in there. I think the only person that had advantage for for being on set was was um, Alan because he had a he had a full mask on and he was yeah, sort of tied mask, up there, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and yeah. it was nothing to him. And we were all like just coughing up blood at lunchtime. It was just oh my god. Yeah. We just it said, yeah, we, I was coughing them up for like three days. I was blowing mm-hmm. them out of my nose for like three days. It was absolutely horrendous. Never again. Yeah. Ugh. I remember Mark cleaning up the camera at the end of the night, and it was just endless, a little vacuum in the air. Mm-hmm. And it was just coming under all the crevices. I didn't know it had, you could get stuff in there. Oh, it was, like, it was as bad as sand, it seemed to be. <laughs> I was just about to say it's like sand. Yeah. You go to the beach with your backpack one time, that sand is never leaving your backpack, no matter what never, you do. Never, ever. See, but that's an interesting point. So you're talking about Mark cleaning up the camera. Again, I think we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I think it's important to know with you, Drew, yourself. Um, For audience members out there, these guys, you know, we do the fight scene stuff and you go, oh, that must have been a tough day. And they ask us about it very often at conventions and whatever, you know, is that a hard day or whatever? And you go, yeah, to an extent. It was, you know, you do you do the emotional stuff that takes some stuff out of you, you do the physical stuff that takes some stuff out of you. You got to remember that Drew and his team got there an hour before us, and they don't leave till an hour after us. Um, but for the audience out there, it's very important to remember that these guys 
do this incredible job and they're carrying around what is your camera weigh 25 pounds uh no it's uh, uh upwards to the f- in the f- mid 40s that camera was um wow. probably at, at times close to 50 depending what kind of lens was on there More lens yeah um yeah holy moly yeah, yeah when it gets we say up these there. guys were in the trenches they were really in the trenches they yeah. they worked harder than we did they continue to work harder than we do always they really are and i've used this phrase before i know i have i don't want to sound like a broken record but i will they really are the unspoken heroes of our industry like nothing gets done without them and we get far too much credit for doing what we do when Drew and his team and John and his team and Glenn and his team and everyone behind the scenes put this together. We're just literally the tip of the iceberg that can be seen. It's true. But we're there to make you look good. That's our job. And <laughs> yeah, that's uh, why they have to work so hard. It's I true. At, they have to make us look cool, can- Dom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's hard work, man. It's hard work. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys rehearse those fight scenes like i mean it's a week before you know getting it worked out getting it down sometimes. that's still time and effort sometimes, at yeah. the sometimes gym all the time keeping in shape yeah. yeah on on good episodes we have a week some yeah. episodes yeah. we have an hour so yeah. it just depends exactly okay um, what's that move again that was one again actually we've spoken about that about that day but you not being here, and I feel like we should revisit oh, yeah. it with you here. Yes, yes, is yes. The, the fight scene on the rooftop with the angel and all the lightning is one that we, Kat and I, had to rehearse that day as they changed mm-hmm. everything and they changed the flooring and the scenario. So we had to rehearse the whole thing that day. And the one on the rooftop where I'm the demon. Yeah, where you where try I to drop kill you me. Off the edge, where. Well, because that one, we had a time crunch. Yeah, everyone was given new information. We were under a time crunch and. The, the credit for the both of those scenes goes to you and Glenn and your teams because I remember the you had two tracking dollies at the same time. So you were mm-hmm. trying to avoid each other whilst ca- carrying the action as well, whilst dealing with this consistent strobing light that just blinded everybody. It was a yeah. nightmare. That was, um, yeah. Well, was, I remember too, rough. in the other scene, the, the one where you're trying to kill me, was Slick directing that episode? Or was he no. first AD? I can't he remember. Was first ADing. He was his first AD. So I just remember Silic coming up to all four of us, you, me, Glenn, and Dom, and going, okay, guys. Um, for the audience, I don't want to interrupt, but for the listening audience back home, I, I just want to to acknowledge that Kat very briefly forgot my name. For I did not. <laughs> watched her pause over I completely forgetting not. who I was. It was only four years. That's totally fine. Don't you worry. Jace, Dom, Jace, Dom. Uh, <laughs> which one do I choose? But anyway, the, they came up to the four of us and said, we don't have any of the coverage yet. And we have eight minutes. And that's all the time that we have. And this was, you know, a two, three minute fight scene. And, and they just said, are you guys okay to just roll through it a few times? And we all just sort of looked at each other and went, okay. And you two had handheld cameras. And again, trying to avoid each other, trying to avoid the action. And Dom and I are just duking it out over and over and over again. And I was so worried about how it was going to cut together. One of my favorite fight scenes that yeah. was cut together on the show. It turned out yeah, so beautifully. Impeccable. And it would not have been possible without you two. So mm-hmm. That was a season two event? That, um, I think I, that was season three. Because that's been, yeah. I was okay. the owl. I just season three. I have to say, a lot of it has gone. I wanted to, I was playing back some of the episodes. I thought it would jog my memory as to, you know, what had happened and behind the scenes okay. stories. And man, I'm just not, I was pulling a blank. So I'm going, yeah. I know I shot that. I, I recognize the style. Yeah. It happens to me all the time. Happens to all I've of us. I've done rewatches where I'm watching an episode and go, it looks like me, but I don't really remember being there. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. doing any of this stuff. 
No. There's full scenes where I go, I don't remember this scene existing, let alone I have no memories of shooting it. I don't, mm-hmm. was I there? Was this a, is there a clone? I don't know anymore. <laughs> I think it has to be to do with these like, the, these 14 hour days that we fairly regularly pulled for two and a half, three years, where there's only so much information you can take in and store. It has to be. Mm. That has to be the case. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, there was so many times we were running on empty um, yeah. and just, you know, powered through because it's what we all love to do. But I am attributing it to that and not the drinking I do. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> it's real life. You know, you don't remember what you do every day in real life. You know, even when you see a photograph, yeah. you go, oh, yeah, I remember taking that picture. It's just, you just don't recall that kind of detail. Mm-hmm. You kind of remember the moments where you get the feeling more than the actual event, yeah. I think. I remember all of the cold days. I'll tell you that much. The outdoor <laughs> cold days. I remember those. Mm-hmm. Oh, but the best Every thing single. ever was building that alleyway inside for the yep. winter. So we didn't have to be outside. I thought that was like a genius move. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. Matt Hastings didn't like being out in the cold because yes. it changed a lot of things right. for yeah, our it show. Really it sure it did. Really and that's, and that stage, that set was impressive. I have to yeah. say like the, the indoor look of it was really impressive. And there was a lot of logistics getting around that. Yeah. Cause they, most of them were like functioning storefronts. You could go inside mm-hmm. and like, they were all, we, we played a game on the, the show, cafe. whether it was um, <laughs> a set or, or on location. And I, I want to say that this is one of the ones that people won't, there's no way. There's no way you would know because we had a block either side of this. Like, there's yeah. no way you would know that this wasn't a, just a street in mm-hmm. Toronto somewhere. And it had three looks, I believe. You could, it could be mm-hmm. like the Chinatown that we used mm-hmm. a lot, and uh, and then just a residential neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't. The third look, I don't think we ever got to, which was supposed to be more of a downtown business yeah. uh, oh, environment, yeah. urban, more urban, I guess. But the, we never got to that look of it. But that was the plan to do that if it was mm-hmm. needed. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. And that uh, stayed there for quite a while afterwards. And that was another thing too about you know after everything had been torn down and i went back to that stage to do another show it was no you didn't did you really yes it was yeah. like right after right after designated survivor show. took over our stages it did wow. so the oval office was now where the institute was yeah and the institute became the oval office <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 and we sort of kept on that side of this in stage one we had two stages there but stage mm-hmm. two still had the old shadow hunter sets were still standing because there was no need to move in there right away they slowly kind of eroded them. Like my, I think Magnus's apartment finally got crushed away. But then uh, I found parts of his uh, parts of his apartment showing up in the design of the uh, no of the next way. set. You know, the brick wall and the brick textures in there. Yeah, yeah. the beautiful thing about recycling because usually we're so wasteful in the film business mm-hmm. that we could actually just get to um, to, to reuse parts of the uh, previous sets wow. and blend it into this new environment. And uh, but I have to say, being in the Oval Office and being in that stage and I, was I hearing the echoes of your voices or is that just my head playing tricks on me? Or It was just really haunting and, and, and a little unsettling for the first little while. I'm sure. If you struggle to get in shape and lose weight, I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body, and I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day, I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, and then I go crush a workout in the Body app and just follow along day by day. 
before most people are even out of bed. I'm done for the day. So here's my offer to you. The next 500 people who go to body.com will get 65% off a full year of access to over 120 programs. 65% because I want you to start now and see how fast the pounds come off and the muscles start popping. And if they don't, hey, you get your money back. Just go to body.com. That's B-O-D-I.com. And let's own the morning together and get healthy and fit. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Well, speaking of speaking of these sets that sort of stuck in our memory. Um, do you have any favorite sort of behind the scenes moments or is there, is there anything that sort of sticks out to you as like, this was fun. I enjoyed this day or this moment or this, whatever it was. Well, the fun thing that we had was really nothing to do with the show in terms of being, it was Halloween in 2016. And, uh, we just sort of decided to get dressed up and I had this idea, Mm -hmm. why don't we just sort of be, you know, dress up as like the Star Trek crew, Dolly grip and and my focus puller also got on the same page and I, ordered the costumes or the shirts anyways online um, about a month before. And I, I just left them in a box on the camera truck. I said, well, no one's going to bother this. Well, unknown to me was that B camera Glenn spotted that box and opened it and realized, well, wait a second, these guys have got Star Trek costumes. So they had this idea that they were going to be the, the bad guys of Star Trek. <laughs> and they, you know, found online, you know, the ra- Glenn made the best wrath, the best con Union Singh, you know, ever it was like parallel to the movie. Yeah. The thing is, he never watches Star Trek. He doesn't really know anything about it. <laughs> and, uh, but he, you know, saw a picture and he could emulate that. And then the cure, his focus puller was uh, a Gorn. And mm-hmm. um, Nicole, the second assistant, she was a Klingon. And the Donnie Grip was uh, Spock from the Mirror Universe. And he, did, and he was yeah. growing this goatee in. And I said, well, a little change in the look is, oh yeah, just something different I'm trying. You know, this kept it oblivious <laughs> to me. <laughs> As to what was going on, and, and then on the on the day, unfortunately, there was a splinter second unit, so those guys were pushed off. They always did the second unit off, splinter yeah. stuff, so they weren't really on set, which was the plan was sort of be this rivalry A and B camera, mm-hmm. the good guys and the bad guys, yeah. and throwing appropriate insults back and forth to each other just for fun. But since that didn't work, <laughs> we were shooting in the institute office environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know if it was actually. Uh, Alex's office or something else because we tend to redress it for different areas of Alicante. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and. They came over in a march, and there's video of them coming to our stage from their stage, and they're playing the classic, you know, Star Trek theme from uh, <laughs> the fight sequence, and and uh, that's in the background as the four of them sort of make their way into the set. And then when they oh, came so in, funny. it was just mayhem. 
And, uh, and Glenn's spouting off lines from the movie. And I said, how did you know that? Well, Akira gave me the lines. And I just, just and this, you know, very <laughs> Shakespearean moment, just, you know, like, like Carl Montalban would have done. It was just shocking. And I was, we were just all in shock. And oh, Celic wow. was going bananas. He says, everybody get out of here. We're behind. You know, just classic first AD. <laughs> of course. And like Matt. So much fun. No time fun. for fun. We got to work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so funny. And it was Kat and Matt were uh, on that set at that yeah. moment mm-hmm. there. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, oh, and the boom operator, he just came in as Halloween too. He came in as so the, the new, the, the, the updated Star Trek. Uh, Spock was a different tunic and he was the boom guy. He's like six foot two and he had the ears on and yeah. he had a really convincing uh, look for it. And then I think at one point we all got together, we got a big shot uh, with Kat and Matt there as well. Perfect. But, uh, it was, uh, that was a, a very memorable moment. And I have video from different angles and, you know, from pictures of us sitting there with, mm-hmm. the, with on the dolly and all of our tunics and, you know, NCC-1701 on the side of the dolly to make it look like it's the Enterprise. And, oh and we just kind of played Amazing. along with it for the day like that. So that was just sort of a highlight that I, I really do embellish. We, it was a, it was a very, it, we, I mean, we've touched on this already, but it was a very light set in general. Yeah. It was a very, mm-hmm. it was a very playful set. Even, was it Mike McMurray who had Fun Shirt Fridays? Yep. Hawaiian Shirt Friday Hawaii, and Catch Hawaiian Shirt Thursday. Fridays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were, and they, that was sort of became a thing. And we'd, we, even we would, we were excited to see people showing up because it does, has this levity to it that makes everything, you know, we're, it's not all, nobody's dying here. Like we're, we're making a TV show. We should be enjoying ourselves. That's the whole point. We should be having fun. Yes. I was always amazed at how. You, you, the two of you, you know, could be laughing and joking in one minute, and the slate goes in back, and they're crying and weeping, and just like, how do you do that? I just turn yeah. that on like that, and then the camera crippling cuts, debt, crippling debt <laughs> from <laughs> years of being an just... actor. I just think about that and it immediately <laughs> turns just, you know, on. <laughs> some some light trauma and just yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> use it just some light trauma. No, but it's it a lot of it, and Dom and I talk about this so much on the show, but so much of the ability to do that comes from having a crew that creates that environment and mm-hmm. and allows for that. And once again, it's credit to you and Glenn and your crews for being able to set things up and be there and be there to catch the moment without taking us out of the moment. And that's such a skill that I don't think a lot of people realize is so important to mm-hmm. shows like this that have mm-hmm. such emotional ups and downs. And a lot of it too was, you know, Mike is a well-humored gentleman, you know, and he, mm-hmm. he likes to have fun. And it kind of starts there. If you're, if you're, if your director of photography is a little more formal and a little bit more precise and, and, and a little more you know, traditional, then you may have not had as much fun. But, you know, it came from you guys, too, because when you're together, it is just you're you're in uh, social mode pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then and then and then it becomes as soon as it's time to rehearse, we, we're now we're on to work mode and you just got mm-hmm. used to hitting that switch. That yeah. sometimes daily would come in and, and then clowning around and be ready to go, oh, just a second, I need, I need a second. And the roll in the camera slates and he's not quite there yet. You know, just, mm-hmm. okay, okay, I'm good now. Yeah, because it, yeah, you're right. That's such an interesting thing that we, I have to separate that from my real life every now and then. Like I, I was just at a, my buddy Grant's wedding over New Year's and he's an AD oh. um, or he used to be an AD, now lives in the Dominican Republic. And he used to do this thing, used to drive me mental. And he would do something when we were out drinking together he would do this thing where he would go, oh, yeah. And just for a second, my brain goes, what? Has someone called for us? What's going on? And then I go, I'm at a pub. Like, I know that this isn't <laughs> what's happening right now, but he would just pretend to talk into a radio and I'd be like, nobody's talking. Nobody's talking right now. But it does, it sort of becomes this like semi, uh, semi-instinctual semi part of your existence where you're like, oh, something's happening. You hear a crap ball go off and you go, am I supposed to be there? And <laughs> like, yeah. you snap into work mode. Yeah. 
I was even doing it over at the holidays. I was home and my, you know, my grandma was like, hey, can you mix up the mashed potatoes? And I went, yep, copy that. And I went, that's you mean to say wrong. That. No, I don't. Just, okay. You don't say copy Never. that to your grandmother now. Don't say copy that to my grandma. I mean, she, yeah. she, I don't know. She, she didn't take offense, thank goodness. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, 55 episodes and, you know, two seasons with you. So it was what, 40, 42, 42 episodes 42. or something and two seasons, you know, when it all came to an end, we had the opportunity to do the the movie, the last two episodes, mm-hmm. where we Thankfully. had a bit more freedom because there was no there was no network notes, there was no you know we kind of had free reign. So was that what was that like for you? Did you feel as though you had a bit more freedom when we were doing that, and and you could try some things or well you know well, it was back Todd and, directing, so it was someone yeah. new to understand what he was looking for. Mm. But I guess, I guess it took us four weeks to shoot that or close yeah. to it, like three and a half weeks or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but Todd did certainly, he knew the style of the show, you know, he was one of the producers that were in the cutting room and, and, and at, and at one point as I, I got into the, well, it doesn't really matter because we're, we're not going to be on that shot that long because of the cutting pattern. He goes, Oh, that's, that's my fault. I, I set that up. It was you. And then I'm finding the guy that's decided, yeah, it's the cutting pattern was driven by Todd. And, wow. and it was like, you know, there's, there's some nice shots in there. You could have hung on it for maybe you know, a moment or two longer, you know, just, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all. You, we, you know, every, you would see every single shot that we did for a scene. Yeah. It just wouldn't be there that long. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's true. It was quick. Well, was you know, part of that cuts. is the efficiency of the crew. We were able to get so many shots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they probably depend had on no. the director. Oh well, well. Yes. It would depend on the director. You're absolutely it's right. It would fully depend. We're being so nice. <laughs> like this, it's a pock. What are they going to do? Fire us? Like the show's over. Who cares? <laughs> we talk about this more <laughs> honestly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they would entirely depend on the director, and very often very often you guys again you guys in the first ad team like if a director came in and we were like this is slowing us down this is a real problem like that you know because for those out there who don't know if you have to add an additional day to filming tv or a movie it costs a fortune it costs them a oh, yeah. fortune to do it costs so much money you have to have all of the equipment all of the crew everyone comes in if you're on location god forbid you have to get that location for another day mm-hmm. it costs an absolute fortune and an additional day might be one scene. It, all you need to get is one scene, but you have to get everyone in for that day. It is an absolute nightmare. So when you do have directors who come in who slow everything down, we do have looks sort of between the internal internal sort mm-hmm. of core group where you're like, we, we know what we're doing here. Like, we're going to get this done because we've got we've to power through things. And the, yeah. the crew around you fix that problem. You know? Yeah, I remember an instance we were in the alleyway and it was like the last moment. There's only like you know minutes left to mm. do you know Dom's coverage, unfortunately. As we've got the room turned around now, and all we have are these wide shots is what we're planning to do, and we're handheld at the time. And uh, I think it's sort of the aftermath of a fight sequence. And uh, it was uh, well, we don't got well, the wide shots all we have. But I know on the other side we have all these close ups, and you want to match when you're cutting just for the power of the emotion. So I just walk over to Don and I go, so you know, when this thing, when they say cut, just keep going because I'm going to run in and just get closer to you to get your close up. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did, right. and and, and, we did. and it's in the movie. It's in the that's movie. Go home. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. We need uh, we need heroes like that on set. No kidding. Like yeah. that's because without that, do not even just like it takes so much of the impact out of the scene but it kind of takes the scene away from the rest of the show as well mm-hmm. so it it takes it actually steals a huge amount s- seemingly a fairly small mistake um but yeah 
it's people like you who fix things like that on set. We talked we talked about this um, with Glenn and then with John yesterday. So much of what being on set is is quick problem solving. Being able to see an issue and go, we can fix this quickly. I actually think that's so much of what it is. It's like, okay, here's the objective. How do we get there quickly and efficiently with everything with every thousand notes ticked as well? It's, yeah, yeah. And then one more note at the end for take two. Okay, <laughs> yeah, one more exactly. thing. Sure, got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's you know that's the beauty of working together for so long is being able to dance with that and adjust to those things and roll with those punches and know that whatever we do get, it'll work somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's you know those are some of my favorite memories of of doing those final two episodes is having that family so solidified and it was such a bittersweet moment it was mm-hmm. it was it was closure too because at the end of the third season we all thought we were coming back yeah and and, and, then, and then when i heard that it was not coming back it was like i didn't get to say goodbye to anybody it was just like so long we'll see you soon yeah. that was mm-hmm. sort of the idea of it and because we that, were all sure like, the storylines were 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 ready for season four we were all matt and i were off spending our season three money we were traveling around yes, europe we, we got a phone call like <laughs> oh shit maybe mm-hmm. we should cut a couple of dates off this tour <laughs> we're gonna be unemployed soon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so true. But so it was nice to come back and have that closure. And I mm-hmm. guess the scene that really resonates was one I did not photograph. I was just sort of by the monitors watching. And it was a steady cam scene. And then the two of you were doing your last dance and that whole mm-hmm. dialogue and how that played. And 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 I know for the fans, there's, there's no real music on set when you're doing that. There's like this, what they call a, a beat track. But mm-hmm. the beat track is like a really low frequency thunk, 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 thunk that you're dancing to. That you can you can record because the microphone doesn't actually pick up that frequency, so you're not damaging the soundtrack. Usually, it's, back in the day, it was you play the music for a few bars and then yeah. you drop the music, microphone's on, and everybody just keeps moving to the same vibe. Well, now we can actually keep beat going. I didn't know that. Level. That's interesting. The mic That's doesn't really pick it up. Cool. That's I know. I was always impressed with that. So you got this low kind of thunk, thunk that I can hear, and the camera slowly revolving around you as the steady cam is working its way around for the story, and just watching that whole scene unravel it was it was rather emotional just being mm-hmm. at, the, at the monitors watching it and that's yeah. a, i remember that because i wasn't really working i was just you know in, enjoying the scene watching, watching that's an interesting thing as well you got you got to see so much of what got filmed for us what what is quite interesting as a fan watching it back is there are scenes that we weren't in we read them yeah. we know vaguely mm-hmm. what happens in them but getting to see like harry and matt's take on how this like this love Mm-hmm. connection is happening when we weren't there especially mm-hmm. getting to see harry had such freedom to play with his physicality getting to see what harry did on the day because he you know harry would walk in and go oh this is an interesting prop can i have this at the beginning or can i do this at the beginning there's always something new um so that was a really interesting thing for us but i agree with you the the ending um one it, it is this bittersweet thing to film because when you when you know you're approaching the end, everything is the last one of something. Everything is the That's everyone right. is the last time we're seeing something or seeing a person or going into a room or seeing a set or you know whatever it is. Um, but we also sort of had the the kind of the bonus of our wrap party was directly after filming that. So slowly, sort of people were closing <laughs> things down, closing departments down, getting things That's done, true. whatever. And then trays of champagne were making their way out whilst Kat and I were dancing. It was like, it's fucking save us some because we'll be there very soon. Yeah, we're um, crying right now. Was, I'm going to need yeah, some champagne. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. Sure. It, was, it, it was a very sweet, like I remember the, I remember Silic standing everyone up with, at the end and that being the, and ladies and gentlemen, that's it for Shadowhunters and it being just the most like 
brutal, but we were all arm in arm. So I think Emerald has a really good video of it. We were all yeah, arm in arm, of it. you know, yeah. 200 of us, like all together, like, fuck, look at what we achieved, man. Four years of everyone trying to achieve one goal all together. Four years of no real arguments. Nobody really fell out with each other. We just had this time that, that will always live in infamy for us because we managed to put it on film, which is really special. It is. It's, a, it's the family I have, well, the big family that I never have because it's just me and my sister. Right. So yeah, there's a large people. And, and you sit down to lunch, it's a room full of people sitting down to lunch, you know. And, yeah. And then we're all getting up and, and, and doing our thing. And, and there, you know, everybody checked. If you had an ego, they was checked at the door. It never oh, was about to set, you know, yeah. and that was fun. Well, and that was the environment we had. It was very much an open door, round table, collaborative environment where whether it was, you know, just checking in about a scene or trying to figure out creatively how to make something work or checking in on someone on a personal level and and going, Hey, how are you? How's your life? Are you good? Are you, you Mm -hmm. know, are you well, basically, Mm -hmm. which you rarely, rarely get. And that's something I think on set has kind of been, at least the lunchroom, for example, has kind of been lost since COVID really. Because there's so many protocols now and so many things that everyone has kept so separated. I, I haven't had that since Shadowhunters. And I miss that so much, just being able to sit with everyone and chat and check in and have birthdays and, you know, whatever yes. event is going on. And it's, you know, I don't know, there's such a there's such a camaraderie about it that um that will always live in infamy, at least in my in my heart with Shadowhunters. Yeah, no, it's like it's like the the, the football scene in Top Gun where everybody is uh, you know, bonding. That's our lunch yeah. is when we do that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, on that note, Drew, is there anything else you would love to to add or say, or you know, the we know the the Shadow Fam loves you uh, just as we do, and we're we've it's been really really incredible to have you here today. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I know I could go on and on for hours about other things, and I just don't want to bore everybody. But uh, it was certainly a lot of fun uh, seeing you guys, and I can't believe it's over so quickly. I know because we're certainly on foundation before starting, <laughs> but. Uh, and you know, and my driver was late to pick me up. That's way to push everything. Yeah, so, uh-huh. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my chopper was late as well. We had some weather here. It was a whole nightmare. Oh wow! I, I-, I walked. I don't know. <laughs> 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 no, but thank you so much, Drew. It's it yeah, was incredible to spend so many years working so closely with you, and to be able to kind of relive that for at least a little bit. It's been a pleasure. It has been a true pleasure, and the uh, best of uh, fortune to all of you. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Miss you. Return to the Shadows is hosted and executive produced by me, Dominic Sherwood, and Catherine McNamara. Our executive producer is Ling Lee. Our senior producers are Liz Hayes and Diego Tapia. Our producer is Hannah Harris and Kristen Vermilia. And our intern is Sam Katz. Original music by Alex Kinsey, performed by Alex Kinsey and Catherine McNamara. And the episode was mixed by Seth Alansky.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.